0: Thank you. Please be seated. I told Joe that if I was really good, I would just preach Genesis 11 to 27, 12 through 4, but I'm not. So sorry. We're going to do a little bit something different. This morning, and you can either follow along or just listen because I'm, I'm going to be jumping around in uh, some of the letters of Paul. And I'm going to go ahead and read these starting in Philippians, then jump into 2 Corinthians, and then finally 1 Corinthians. Starting First Corinthians, or I'm sorry, Philippians 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Second Corinthians 9, starting in verse 10. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. And finally, 1 Corinthians 4, what do you have that you did not receive? If then you received it, why do you boast as if you did not receive it? Recently heard a friend of mine tell a story about a time when he was on vacation with his family off of the coast of South Carolina and he was uh, actually swimming in the ocean with his children. He has three daughters and they were just kind of floating along and he said that he was in water probably about shoulder or I guess chest deep and he was just kind of floating there hanging out talking to his children when all of a sudden he said he felt someone come up from behind him and basically grab him and just wrench him and start pulling him out to the ocean. And when he turned around to see who it was, wasn't anyone. He realized he was caught in a riptide. Now, do you all know what a riptide is? It's whenever the the, the, uh, waves come crashing on the beach or not even crashing, but they just kind of come resting on the beach and they kind of start to pile up in such a way that they create a cross current that is super strong and just races out. And he had gotten caught in the midst of that. Now, thankfully, he had actually read the signs that are posted all over the beach. Don't swim toward the beach. Don't swim with the current if you get caught in a riptide, but swim across. And so he was able to just kind of float along, move out, and he was fine. But he was just shocked at how strong this current was that was just pulling him out to the ocean. I want to tell you this morning that in the Christian life, in the Christian faith, there is another kind of riptide of spirituality. A mojo even, if you can bear with that language, and it is gratitude. It's not a riptide that will drown you, but rather it is a force, and gratitude is this force that doesn't pull you toward death and destruction, but it pulls you toward life and toward God himself. Thankfulness is that riptide. So I want us to briefly reflect this morning on our own lives, using Scripture by the power of the Holy Spirit, asking, to, asking for Jesus to meet with us here this morning and think about and hear from God on gratitude. Because what God wants from us, what I want from us, really what we need is to be swept into this riptide of gratitude, into God's love into God's kindness, into his very being, that we would also be drawn to others because of the pull of God's gift of life and salvation. And we're asking God this morning also to meet with us by Scripture and ask really that he would maybe do some meddling in our lives, to redirect and correct us where maybe we have become hard, where we've become sour, unthankful, entitled, and maybe even blind to what God has abundantly set before us. Because it seems to me, and maybe this is just me, but it seems to me that we can have this easy drift as Christians and maybe as Presbyterians, if you so name yourself, to just focus on and land on stuff in life that is negative, that is dark. We look at life and we see what is missing, what is lacking in the world? Sometimes I think that we're even afraid that to be thankful or to show gratitude is somehow kind of sappy or charismatic or something like that. It's a, or, or it's a way of just escaping reality. You know, we're just ignoring all of the stuff, like the suffering and evil that's in the world if we focus on what is good and what we are thankful for. Look, there is no doubt plenty to focus on in the world that just seems, doesn't it, so dull So insensitive to, maybe even opposed to things like justice, truth, beauty, and goodness. And I think if we sit in it too long, we can easily see the world a bit like the poet W.B. Yeats did, who said of it repeatedly in one poem, and listen to this refrain, for the world's more full of weeping than you can understand. Maybe that's you this morning, that you look out at the world, you look at your life. You're, there's just kind of the bent, the way you look at things, and you think, the world's more full of weeping than I can understand. But what these passages, what Paul is doing is challenging us as Christians this morning to see and experience the world afresh. That our primary orientation, the magnetic direction, the riptide of the Christian life, is gratitude, not pessimism, not darkness. So we're coming in here this morning to have our moral and our spiritual compasses reset, to have our lenses of our spiritual glasses corrected, as it were. Now, I'm wanting to address this as Christians because this is a gathering of Christian worship, but I also want to recognize and even address those this morning who are friends and maybe who aren't in a place yet of following Christ or sharing in Jesus' life too. And there's two questions that I want us to think about, and I'm going to answer just right off the bat. And the first one is this. What does gratitude do? All right? And then what does it see? So that's going to, think, that's going to orient how we look at and reflect on these scriptures. So let's go from there. Gratitude, what does it do? Well, what does gratitude do? It does good for others. All right? Question asked and answered. Now, that's not the, the, the end of it. But I've found myself too often, when I do give thanks to God, find that my gratitude is maybe a little too often because of someone else's misfortune. Now, it's not, it's not giving thanks for their misfortune. Do you know that German word, schadenfreude, right? Where you, you take delight in the misery of others. And just to say schadenfreude almost gives you schadenfreude, right? And that's not what I'm talking about. But, and think about this and think about yourselves, when hearing of some calamity, some illness, death, some relational crash in someone else's life? Are you like me when I will be tend to think, well, thank God. Thank, thank, thank God at least I have. We have our health. We have our relationship together. We have fill in the blank. So the occasion for gratitude is chiefly a negative one. Now, that's not all bad, that response in and of itself can be good. It can be the opportunity for a gut check, for a kind of self-assessment. But too often, that response of, thank you, God, that that's not me. Thank you for health. Thank you for my church. is not rolling in controversy, whatever. Just stays there, frozen, static. And so we do our little checking with God. We do the hat tip, as it were, and then roll on with life. And it doesn't move us out toward God in a meaningful way. And it doesn't move us toward others in a meaningful way. For the Christian, the response of gratitude and thanks is always dynamic. It is always moving out toward God, toward others. It's never just static. Let me thank you, God, that I am chosen. Let me sit here and be frozen. It is never like that. Can I lay some Shakespeare on you? I'm, I'm going to. There's a line in Shakespeare's play, Two Gentlemen of Verona, with a character, Julia. She's having this conversation. It's actually about the nature of love um, with a, another character. And Julia says this, talking about someone else. She says, his little speaking shows his love but small. And then she goes on to say, they do not love that do not show. Their love. Will got some things, didn't he? And see, Julia expresses this biblical sentiment here. And it's this, that gratitude and thankfulness for God's blessing on the part of a Christian always, like that riptide, will move you out towards other people. Because you have received from God, you will overflow with love. You will be pulled by love to become instruments of blessing and change and life and transformation in the lives of others. Think about it this way. Think about the Christians that you know whose lives are characterized by gratitude. First of all, are they easy to be with? Or are they not easy to be with? I would guess they're easy to be with. You like being around them. But you'll also find this about them, not just that they're easy to be with, but there is kind of a, an orientation, a disposition about them. And they're almost always going to be facing, which direction? Outward, rather than just kind of turned in. They're quick to be kind. They approach the world in what uh, columnist Peter Winner says, they approach the world with a delight, a certain enchantment, a light touch doesn't mean that they are blind or indifferent to the pain surrounding them, but they are still able to find joy. Why joy? Because they know that they have received life and love from God through Christ. That's where they are. Isn't that kind of like what you want to be? God is offering us that this morning. Well, why else do these people have joy? Think about the scriptures. Think about Jesus in Matthew 25. Jesus there describes this saying, Come, blessed of my Father. Now, who are those who were blessed of the Father? Who are those who experienced the joy of the presence and and, and the touch of of the Father? They're the ones who did what? Pointed out all the things that were wrong with the world and came up with the three-point plan. No, it says the ones who did what? They cared for prisoners, They fed the hungry. They clothed the naked. That for these folks and then for us, somehow staring into the abyss of suffering and struggle, reaching out out of thankfulness means that for them, they were blessed of God. They experienced God somehow. And they did it for Christ. And when we do that, we do it in Christ, for Christ, and mysteriously, we find hope in the doing. Now, look, that doesn't mean that everyone is going to know all of the things that you do either. That would actually be kind of a mixed or a, a bad motive. Going back to Shakespeare, Lucetta, uh, the, the, the other um, person in this dialogue, says this Oh, they love least that let men know their love, right? Makes sense. They're just doing it so that they can get the, the response, the approbation, the praise of other peoples. But you do respond in gratitude to God's love. And you do it concretely. And that's what actually gets is, is God at here in 2 Corinthians 9, giving of our money, giving of our resources, giving our, of our time. And y'all, just to be honest, that comes up a lot in the New Testament. It is not some, some angle that pastors work to put in there. And very often I think a good diagnostic, at least I found this a good diagnostic for me, and I used it for others when I was pastoring a church, a good diagnostic for gratitude is cheerful giving. Cheerful giving, whether it's to the church or to nonprofits or any kind of institution or organization or person that is trying to help those, especially who don't have. And I don't know if I said this before. I'll, I'll, I'll use it again. I'm not above using an illustration twice, even in the same congregation. But I sat in on a church meeting a while back, um, within within the last year, let's just say, and they were talking about the budget, and that's good. That is something that a church congregation should talk about together. And the budget was presented, and it was obvious as the budget was presented that there was a shortfall in giving. Now, the response of some of the people there was, um, okay, you know, we, we, we need to address this. But the way they wanted to address this, what was, They wanted to address what was obviously a meager giving was they just wanted to cut a bare-bones budget even further to the bone. But the problem wasn't that the church was spending, the, the, the people were spending too much money, is that they were giving too little. And for sure, not in every case, but in some cases, why were they giving too little? In part, because it was a failure of thanksgiving. A failure to say, Jesus has been raised. My life has been embedded in his. I have hope now and in the world to come. And I want to share this with everybody. I mean, that's Thanksgiving right there. And yet that was not fully. And I would say resolutely embraced in such a way that it looked like charity. This cannot be the case over time and consistently for Christians who are captured by God's spirit. So what does gratitude do? It does good for others. But here's our second point as we're moving along. Gratitude, what does it see? Thankfulness sees God. Gratitude sees God. Or let me put it like this first. Ingratitude, a lack of thankfulness can actually blind us to God and his gifts. Because what I think happens is we have this tendency to reach past what we have attained, what we have achieved, things like degrees, relationships, financial stability, success, home, whatever you fill in the blank, whatever um, attainment looks like for you. We have expectations that that lie beyond our grasp. And then we credit our success to ourselves rather than others when we kind of get there. And we also feel like it's easy to confuse gratitude with self-satisfaction, complacency. And we don't want to be there. And we all feel like there are things that are never as good as they ought to be. Or as we want them to be. And so when one goal is attained, there's another one that needs to be seized. And isn't dissatisfaction with the way things are the impetus to make things better? This is the way we think, right? Well, it can be. But listen. Especially listen if maybe you're caught up in that way of thinking. A way of not seeing. Again, going back to Peter Winter, he says that life without the leavening effects of gratitude has a hardening effect. That ingratitude leaves us in a state of perpetual discontent, of being short-tempered, rarely at peace, rarely at rest, like a hamster on a wheel. What we have is never enough. We have to keep chasing and going. We're like Sisyphus, right? Remember in eighth grade when you read Greek mythology, Sisyphus pushing the rock up the hill. Once it gets up to the hill, it drops down. He has to go back down and push it up again. We're caught in a trap of no gratitude. And stripped of our gratitude, and think about your own life, your own emotional and psychological life. Stripped of gratitude, we find ourselves what? Frustrated, fearful, impatient, on edge. Ingratitude also blinds us to the good in our midst, beauty, the wonders of nature, the gifts of friendship, the blessings of family. So here's the question the Spirit's asking you this morning. Does that feel like how you see things now? Or does it feel like how you don't see things now? Are you missing seeing the good that you have? And more importantly, are you missing who has given you this? Now, maybe you're thinking, preach on, brother. That is great. Uh, that is true, what you're saying for some folks. But look, there are a lot of folks who are grateful. They are serving others. And in fact, it's not just Christians who are grateful. They might call it, you know, they, they might respond to uh, describe their gratitude in some other way. But there are. Folks who who don't believe, like us, who serve others, because they have received something. And I want to say, as Christians, that is 100% true. Gratitude, in one sense, is universal and not just particular to Christians. There are real pagans, and by that I mean, you know, capital P pagans, not just the people that we want to describe because they disagree with us, and so it was like, oh, they're a pagan. I mean, real pagans, Roman polytheists from the time that Christianity was started, who actually expressed this sense of gratitude well. Marcus Aurelius, Stoic philosopher, if you saw the movie Gladiator, uh, he was a character in the movie Gladiator, which I thought it was not that long ago. It was over 20 years ago. Marcus Aurelius says this, Take full account of what excellencies you possess. And in gratitude, remember how you would long for them if you had them not. Preach, Marcus. Marcus is bringing it. Cicero, first century Roman politician, said this. Gratitude is not only the greatest of virtues, but the parent of all others. It's like the hub upon which all the other spokes of virtue are connected. So here's the question. Why do we see this universal expression of thanks? and Very often felt in well, everyone, right? Christian, non-Christian like. The Christian sociologist Peter Berger um, called this feeling, this, this recognition, this feeling, and, and he uses gratitude as one example. He calls this a signal of transcendence. Now, let me just say this. I realize that's a really nerdy and dorky thing to say, so I'm going to bring that out a little bit. But when he, he says a signal of transcendence is basically like a, a, a um, flare gun of reality, of, of hyper-reality. It's like there's a flare that goes out that signals that there is someone there. Uh, something, and, and, and this signal that we feel is something that happens in our life or it's something that we feel in our experience as a human In natural reality, it's not something mystical, not some some, something that you you take and this experiences. It's just kind of in the ordinary course of day, you know, your regular day that this happens. And this experience that you have, it appears to point beyond itself, right? It it even points to something more than what we experience in the in the natural world. And so he gives an example like laughter. Laughter is a signal that there is something more to life than just the flatness of reality, that, there's, that it is filled with reality. Or another example he gives is whenever a mother tells her child, when the child is afraid, it's going to be all right. How does she know it's going to be all right? Well, there's a sense she's connecting into something bigger than herself that says ultimately everything is going to be all right. And so these signals are like a smoke from a fire we can't yet see. Thankfulness is a flare we see. Yet we don't yet maybe see the one who is shot off this flare. And in gratitude, the question that we have to ask ourselves is, who are you thankful towards? Every gift has a giver. And do you see the gifts in your life? Where have they come from? Why do you have them? Is that feeling of gratitude, that sense of gratitude that you might feel, even as a person who doesn't acknowledge or know God, is actually a way... That you are seeing God, even if dimly, even if reflected off of a dark mirror. Gratitude sees God. And the giver of the gift calls you to seek Him through the gift. Almost like a a breadcrumb trail that leads you to the divine, that leads you to God. Matthew 5, uh, Jesus talks about this. Jesus teaches that God gives gifts of rain and sun to who? All people as gifts because why? Of his love for all people. Friend, even that feeling of love that you feel between you and someone else. And frankly, love is just another way of saying thank you, isn't it? She gets me. He gets me. They get me. It's just a way to be grateful. That feeling signals that there is more to this world than alleles and quarks and black holes and instincts. Tag-teaming off of what Jesus taught the Apostle Paul in Acts 14, teaches us that God does not leave himself without witness in the world. And what is his witness in the world? It's not through things like logical proofs or philosophical arguments, as helpful as those can be. But the proofs are within the realm of our own experience as humans made in the image of God. And so he says that things like rain and fruitful harvest Satisfied hearts with food and gladness are signals that God, our God, the living and true God, is there and calling us and cares. So what does that mean? It means something like this, that drinking your IPA, the satisfaction of knitting a scarf, moving up in the next level of Mario Kart or something like that, more that tells us that there is more to this life. And that life is more than just endorphins firing or warm sentiment. Jesus says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. There is a human face to the divine gift giver. And there is a divine face to the joy of human experience. Jesus himself calls you and invites you. To himself. In fact, Christ himself is the greatest gift that God has given to the world. John 3.16 says that God so loved the world that he, what? he gave, he gifted his son, that whoever believes in him wouldn't perish. It's not God's will for you, but have life. That is why God created you. Christ was given to take away the guilt and the shame of our ingratitude. Paul teaches in Romans 1. An ingratitude that looks like the sins of grumbling. Distorting reality to see things in their worst light. To not give thanks for common things we have received. Especially the people in our lives. Remember that quote I said at the very beginning from Yeats, the Irish poet, the world's more full of weeping than you can understand. Yeats had a contemporary who was... uh, a, a Christian, a man named G.K. Chesterton, who was also a noted author. And he read that poem by Yeats and felt uh, burdened to reply to him in public in, in, in with his own poem. And he wrote, I won't read the whole thing there, but he wrote this. The world is hot and cruel. We are weary of heart and hand. Acknowledging what Yeats sees. But the world is more full of glory than you can understand. And ultimately he means Christ? Would you know this morning the source of your gratitude? God's gift, which is his glory, which is Christ. Receive those gifts that you have. Receive Christ, which is the greatest gift that God calls you to. And be the opportunity of gratitude for others because you know him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, would you take what is crooked, And bent in our own hearts. Which is unable to straighten itself into a posture of gratitude. And by your spirit, working with the word, working with all of the elements of worship, working with the supper that we're about to take. Help us to see because gratitude sees and it sees you. And help us to do because gratitude does things and it does good things. For others. But we can only do this as we have first received and enjoyed and confess your greatest gift, which is Christ. So by his power and by his spirit, please help these things to be so. We pray this in his great name for his sake. Amen. Let's continue our worship. By standing and confessing our faith together using the words of the Heidelberg Catechism, number 60. How are you right with God? Only by True faith in Jesus Christ.